Today, we're watching Star Trek, The Next Generation. When Data replicates his own structure to create a child of his own, all are impressed and curious. But as she develops and learns more about humanity, Starfleet comes to lay claim to this new marvel of science. From March 10th, 1990, it's Season 3, Episode 16, The Offspring, or Daddy, Daughter, Data, Dance. <laughs> oh, look at you. I'm Cam. That's Dan. And I hope you're prepared to lull all over this episode. Daniel. Cameron. Two of my favorite episodes in a row. And I always forget that they're right in a row, but they are. And they're right in the middle of season three, and they're just... Ugh. They make you feel things on an entirely different level. And I just... I remember when I was a child, I thought that Lal's character was ridiculous, and that it wasn't... You know, I just... I, I thought it was unbelievable, but as I as I have aged and as I have gotten to know people of all types of, and I mean, as I've gotten to know children and seen them grow up and gotten to know people of all types of, I can't even, I can't even say it. You can say know. it all types of people. Well, no, but I mean, I was going to say all types of people, all types of mental development, all types of, yeah, I just, you know, all types of, growth as far as human beings go i it i have found lull to be incredibly moving and her progress to be just a beautiful representation of humanity and this is jonathan frake's directorial debut is it oh yes it is well that which makes is it why, special which is why he's in one scene and it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole of star trek <laughs> Oh, that's really fun. Good for him. God, and he made a hell of a directing career out of it. He did. Like, what? He's a still sp- killing it. God, he's so he's so smart to be like, I'm not gonna be this hot forever. <laughs> <laughs> Hollywood's a still jaded pretty dreamy, town. Oh, even yeah, in he's the sixties. He's still dreamy in like a in a daddy way. I mean, some people are into daddies. Remind me say? to send you Dadlands. It's a post-apocalyptic <laughs> story, but it's all tribes of different types of dads. <laughs> pretty fucking funny please do that yeah but enough teasing here's the thing on stardate 43657.0 data invites troy wesley crusher and Jordy laforge to his lab and surprises them by introducing a featureless human android whom he has created based on his own structural design and recent inve- recent advances in federation cybernetics technology describing the being as his child he names the android Lal, L-A-L, after the Hindi word for beloved, and encourages them to select a gender and appearance. With Troy's assistance in considering many of the onboard species, as well as the databanks, Lal narrows it down to four possibilities, including a Klingon male, which Troy points out would make a friend for Worf, an Andorian female, and a human male and female, because less makeup. 
Let's make up for the props, people. It was really good writing. Effective. Keeps it in the budget, Daniel. Anyway. That's good um, TV, Cameron. That's good TV. <laughs> um, in the end, Law selects the appearance of a young human female. With an Data unfortunate first... bob haircut. Yes. Data first aids Law with cognitive and standard behavioral algorithms, as well as encourages her to interact with other members of the crew to learn behavioral and social customs. After a failed attempt to place her in school due to the other children being intimidated by her, he places her under Guinan's care in 10 Forward. This leads to some awkward moments, such as Law misunderstanding the concept of flirting and kissing, uh, where she, which she first interprets as attacking, um, and then Guinan tries to make it practical. <laughs> Why are they leaving? There's some things your father's going to have to tell you. Just, <laughs> just the best. <laughs> Uh, yes. Intrigued by this, Lal engages in a passionate kiss with Commander Riker suddenly over the bar, leaving him baffled and earning a fatherly scolding from Data. <laughs> I'm a favorite. Uh, Lal nevertheless adapts very quickly, even to everyone's amazement, surpassing Data at certain things, such as being able to use contractions, something Data has never mastered. Except for season one. Captain Picard, being informed about Lal and her progress, expresses concern for Data for constructing Lal in secrecy, but Data reminds him that he would not express such concern were two human crew members procreating. To which the captain has little argument, because he's fucking right! Nevertheless, Picard, as per general orders, reports to Starfleet, prompting Admiral Hoftel to arrive and evaluate Lal. From the offset, Hoftel is determined to transport Lal to a Starfleet science station. He interviews her, where she reveals her desire to remain on the Enterprise with her father, but Hoftel is unmoved. Upon leaving the meeting, Lal visits Troy in the counselor's quarters. Lal is clearly confused and distraught, and to Troy's amazement reveals that she is feeling fear. Experiencing an overload of information and emotions, Lal soon stops speaking and wanders off, eventually returning to Data's lab, as she is programmed to do, in the event of a malfunction. In the meantime, Hoftel meets with Data and orders him to release Lal into Starfleet's custody. Though Data moves to comply, Picard orders him to stand fast and reminds him and the Admiral that Data is a sentient life form which has certain rights and privileges that cannot be ordered to turn what is in essence his child over to the state. But before the discussion can get any more tense, they are interrupted by a call from Troy who explains what has happened to Lal and asks everyone to come to Data's lab at once. Upon arriving, Data's diagnostics find Lal's emotional outburst is a symptom of cascade failure in her positronic brain that they must work fast to try and stop. Seeing Data's sincerity, Hoftel offers to assist. And sometime later, a worn-out Hoftel leaves the lab and informs Troy, Wesley, and Jory that they have failed. Visibly moved at Data's determination to save the child, Hoftel explains failure was inevitable and irreparable but he is visibly overwhelmed himself, concluding that Lal will not survive for long. Data apologizes to Lal that he could not save her, but Lal thanks, thanks Data for his creation. She lets him know she loves him and will feel the emotion for both of them. Data returns to the bridge, and Picard conveys the crew's condolences, but Data reveals that he has downloaded Lal's memories into his own neural net, allowing Lal's memories and experiences to live on, and so ends the offspring. So can... Data feel things now because he's downloaded her memories. No, Ugh. but he remembers what he remembers. He can remember what it felt like. Mm. I mean, he can. It's like having access to a memory that you didn't experience, but you can 
you can experience it but not know Cameron, it. I had one rule, and that was that we were not going to talk about my past lives on this show. And you have broken that one rule by bringing up have having I? access to a memory that, that, that wasn't yours. And that's... Oh, that I'm sorry. I guess we're done. Thank God. Oh, how emotional. I was not expecting it because it started pretty silly. It It's so silly. And it just... I oh. I was seriously weeping as I rewatched this. And I, I mean, I've always teared up a little, but I just, it especially, it especially moved me today. I, you know, I think uh, we really can't say enough good things about uh, Haley Todd, AKA LOL, AKA Joe McGuire. I know. Lizzie's mom. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She was she was remarkable and she was she was a beautiful android and she was awkward and she was childish but she was her progress was so believable and I just oh god exceptional truly some exceptional performances yeah mm. and also from Brent Spiner he's grown ugh. into it so well like ugh. he's he's rounding data's edges in a way where he seems so much more advanced and so much more at home with humans but he's still not human subtle work very subtle work yeah just truly exceptional on both on both counts mm -hmm. and excellent work from you gal Guinan. just oh, yeah. always always service and industry it, jobs teach people humanity they just do yep she you knows. do. Yeah. And also excellent work from Picard. Mm -hmm. And there was even some moral quandary. Yeah. There was. Just... There was legit moral quandary. Like, does the state have any right over your child if you're doing nothing wrong? The answer, no. They do not. Mm -hmm. Not in any way, shape, or form. But... I would a love kid to hear is your property. Uh, <laughs> I would love to hear what you loved about this episode, Dan. I loved the performances. I think that Brent Spiner did an amazing job, but Haley Todd really did a, a wonderful job. Picard Truly. standing up, back to back Guinan episodes makes me happy. <laughs> I, I thought the the direction was serviceable. It wasn't standout. Um, <laughs> really but it's his first time and i i loved how awkwardly they wrote him out <laughs> commander riker is is on vacation also data's making an offspring i'm like way to bury the lead <laughs> it's like it's a weird voiceover to start with uh the reason that he's not around is because never mind here's the show um <laughs> It was the equivalent of a playbill insert saying, tonight the role of Riker will be played by no one. Um, <laughs> Little it bit. Was, it was still, it was very fun, and it started so silly, but it really did grow into itself, and to watch Data be consumed with the idea of how to be a good parent and wanting progeny and wanting to pass things down and having that innate desire that is inherent in all biological life to reproduce, to continue. It's our grasp at immortality. It's our, it is fundamental to us in some ways, you know, to like, to continue on. And I think that 
we now have a little different understanding than we would have in 1990, you know, 30 years later, of what that looks like, uh, especially because we have the internet and we have so so many ways of staying in touch and affecting people. And I think there's been a real push for people to form their own families and have impact on other people that is the same as family. So we're, I think we're we're meeting that need in a different way than we would have before. Like if I had if I had my druthers, this would have come first, and then the pen pals episode would have come later, and like data finding family outside of that biological imperative, because I think that that's the more noble pursuit. I'm really pissed at my family right now. <laughs> I know. I know. And I <laughs> but I think I think it's a a worthwhile thing to discuss and to look at and they handled it in a way that made it totally understandable. Like I I want to have kids. I get it. I think that this talked about that need and that compulsion in a very real and understandable way and then to have it not work out was just devastating. It was so heartbreaking. It was. And it just to have truly was. Because data couldn't express emotion to have this, you know, stuff shirt from Starfleet go from no this is a thing, this is property or this is something we want to mold to have him start in that place and end the episode saying I couldn't believe how fast his hands were moving. It was it was almost impossible to comprehend how hard he was working to save her, and to see like data could not express the emotional weight of the situation. So to have that play out in others was really special. It was like a was. way to sort of externalize the grief of like losing a child in a way that made it more approachable as an audience because then you're not watching a parent mourning the death of their child in like an immediate visceral and emotional way, which is an extremely hard thing to watch. It's not often depicted in media because it's, it's perverse. It's the worst. The, the natural progression of things is if all goes according to plan, the children outlive their parents. That's what's supposed to happen. So whenever that's, upset it is like the most counter and viscerally wrong thing for us to experience as a species we just anyone all walks of life regardless of whether they have kids or siblings or anything everyone sees that and recognizes the loss of a child as like a perversion of the natural order it's fucked up it's It's incredibly fucked up it's so bad. But to have a character who can't express that go through it was a really clever way to talk about that and talk about being a parent and the burden of caring for someone and their development in a very sophisticated way that only something with science fiction conventions could. Yep. It does fall a little bit into the trope of born hot yesterday, where you have like a fully developed, fully mature woman who with the naivete of a child, think the fifth element. Um, yeah. 
it happens yeah, in sci-fi all the time and it's it's problematic but they didn't over sexualize her so i'm not gonna knock them too many points for it no she just made out with Riker, and who doesn't want to make out with Riker? toddlers the elderly everyone <laughs> blind and deaf people want to make out with Riker. you're goddamn right they do so what did you love about this episode i i loved how deeply it made me feel things um I do not want children. That is something that is in my life I have not experienced the want for. I instead educate other people's children. And I just, I can't even really describe how deeply this moved me this time. But I just, I love, I love everything you mentioned. I love Data being the one to go through this and that he can't be emotional. And so we don't have to deal with that kind of trauma. I love how quickly the other crew members took to her. I loved that she was, I honestly love that even in the 24th century, children are still little fuckers. And, you know, like Dr. Crusher remembers being an outcast and being a bully and that Wesley was also an outcast, not, not a bully. She was bullied and that Wesley was also an outcast and also bullied and that, you know, Children no, no, no. Just West, shits. Beverly was an outcast until she got hot, and then you know she was a mean girl. <laughs> no, she's Ain't far nothing too worse than a kid who was just shit on and treated like garbage, and then got hot. They're always monsters. Is that why you're the way you are? <laughs> yeah, I was a mutant. <laughs> like I said, I adored the performances. I adored. I adored the writing. I adored just the premise and I adore the execution. And I mean, there wasn't anything stand out, but the emotional stakes and the little comedy moments, I absolutely were perfectly executed. And I think that was Jonathan Frakes coming into his own already because I just, I think that's why I moved so much is because it does start out so silly and so lighthearted and you don't realize how much you care about this person until she's gone. And until you see her breaking down and realizing that she's not going to make it. And it just guts me every time. But it wasn't all emotional evisceration, was it, Daniel? No, Cameron. No, it was not. I have nothing but respect for Beverly Crusher but it is the parent of every single shitty kid in history who says, well, I think you just intimidate the other kids. <laughs> no, nope. bullshit. Your kid is shitty. If that's your response, like to make them feel better, your kid sucks. If you can't say kids are mean to that which they don't understand. If you have to say, well, you intimidate them. You're like boosting them up. Now your kid sucks. <laughs> you know it. I know it. The writers of Star Trek knew it. They were winking at us, Cameron. That's them going, we know. We know <laughs> about Wesley. Yeah, but he's, I mean, I don't mind Wesley in season three. He's almost charming. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's fine. He's fine. But still, like, but season child one, Wesley. Wesley. Yeah. So she's talking about child Wesley. Um, the initial mock-up of the android 
before it chooses a species and a gender was it looked like a sea monkey it just didn't make any sense it was very strange like i concur and i i mean that was my main point of contention and i know it's you know 30 plus years ago now blah 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 actually 30 years almost to the day that's not true 30 years in a month it looks like hot garbage before it's yeah it does look like hot garbage but also i just and i know it's my modern lens but i was disappointed about the lines of i don't have a gender i'm worthless or whatever that was we'll talk about it in quotes but the the fact that that even like choosing a gender was a concept in the episode was very very progressive for the time yeah it was very progressive for the time and i mean i'm totally okay with it but you know she didn't have to be a gender they could have been whatever they wanted i just it bums me out but that's really the only thing i loved and hated who am i kidding i loved seeing picard's nipple we got picard's (laughs) nipple he's woken up in the middle of the night he's wearing like a weird sleeping romper like what was it negligee daniel (laughs) i need it i don't care what it's called i need 10 of them um well um patrick stewart honestly looks for any excuse to take his shirt off in the show so rug on his chest what he lacks on top he makes up for on his chest it's very luxurious like Mm. you just fall asleep in there (laughs) um i thought it's a little weird when like a fully developed fully grown woman is acting like a child i know i mentioned it before but it's like one of my least favorite sci-fi tropes where it's just it's just a little creepy it's just a little weird it is i agree and i mean it didn't bother me as much as it does normally Especially because like, she isn't, oh, she's not like sexualized. Like if she'd been, like I want to dress like Counselor Troy, <laughs> that would have been, ugh. yeah. And the whole "What are your intentions with my daughter?" was very funny line, but also a little, eh, okay. <laughs> I, I figured your you age. Would, I figured it would rub you the wrong way, but I I enjoy it every time. It makes me laugh out loud, but I get it. It starts very silly. The holodeck stuff, uh, well, a practical use for the holodeck finally emerges. That's not pornography and just bad ways for the ship to almost kill everyone. Um, (laughs) Yep, it's true. That whole scene was just a little, but it was. You didn't uh, enjoy, you didn't enjoy Counselor Troy's role in this? Unless she is rolling a critical hit. I don't care for her role most of the time. It was a forced Dungeons and Dragons joke. I'll show myself out. <laughs> Everything that I hated about this episode as a child, I I adore now. I as as someone in my 30s who has now experienced at least a couple generations being born, it's it's just a complete new understanding of of humanity and <laughs> Dan is Miming like he's being born. Being born. <laughs> we used to do it to my cat. It's a long story. Goes a long way. Um. Anyway, I. I adore. I adore this episode. I. Yeah. Can I also just say, as a ball. quick, I hated it. Aside, the Federation already went through this whole big trial with Data about his personhood and whether or not he was Starfleet property. And now, 
an exact replica of him exists, at least on a circuitry standpoint, we have a little thing called case law. So there's already a ruling on the books that date is a person. His offspring should count too. So the whole external thread of this episode, that Starfleet's going to come and take your baby, just didn't make any sense. I was like, that's so stupid. Like, it would make more sense if she wanted to go away or she wanted to, like, run before she could walk. Like, if she had issues, I'm like, I know you need some sort of external threat or ticking time bomb or something. I, I get it. It's network TV. But that just... I was like, we already dealt with this. Data's a person. This should be considered a person too. And the whole, I should raise your kid thing just doesn't hold any water. I've always viewed that as just the fact that some people are slower to change. And I mean, case law might've been found, but that doesn't mean that the people who are actively living in that, living in that society, obey the laws right away or believe that they're true. Well, that's fine, but they could they can just shut it down. I'm just saying there was no need for Picard to even have a discussion to be like, no, 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 we we already dealt with this. This is a person, so they have rights and they don't have to go with you. So they were born on my ship. I'm no, if that it's a person, they don't have to go with you. Like it shouldn't have got, it should not have been an external threat in the story because all he has to do is go. But law, remember case. <laughs> I mean, you you are correct, but I I never think of it that way. I just think of this one particular person. And I mean, it, it was stated in the show, you know, Picard said, you acknowledge their sentience, but not their freedom. Because that's something we are dealing with still, to this day, right now, with human beings. In this country, not even, not even in some far off land, right here, right now. There are times, sir, when men of good conscience cannot blindly follow orders. You acknowledge their sentience, but you ignore their personal liberties and freedom. Order a man to hand his child over to the state? Not while I'm his captain. <laughs> Goddamn right. Flip that, Admiral the Bird. Admiral, when I created Lull, it was the hope in the hope that someday she would choose to enter the Academy and become a member of Starfleet. I wanted to give something back in return for all Starfleet has given me. I still do. But Lull is my child. You ask that I volunteer to give her up. I cannot. It would violate every lesson I have learned about human parenting. I have brought a new life into this world, and it is my duty, not Starfleet's, to guide her through these difficult steps to maturity. To suppose her to support her as she learns, to prepare her to be a contributing member of society. No one can relieve that from me. No one can relieve me from that obligation, and I cannot ignore it. I am her father. Commander, what are your intentions toward my daughter? Your daughter? N nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! He's biting that female! No, he's not biting her. He, they're pressing lips. It's called kissing. Why are they leaving? Lol, there are some things your father's just gonna have to explain to you when he thinks you're ready. 
Yes. Yes. I watch them, and I can do things they do, but I will never feel the emotions. I'll never know love. It is a limitation we must learn to accept, lol. Then why do you still try to emulate humans? What purpose does it serve except to remind you that you are incomplete? I have asked myself that many times, as I have struggled to be more human, until I realized it is the struggle itself that is most important. We must strive to be more than we are, lol. It does not matter that we will never reach our ultimate goal. The effort yields its own rewards. You are wise, father. It is the difference between knowledge and experience. Data has created an offspring, a new life out of his own being. To me, that suggests a child. If he wishes to call Lol his child, then who are we to argue? Well, if he must. But I fail to understand how a five-foot android with heuristic learning systems and the strength of ten men can be called a child. You've never been a parent. (laughs) Just help her realize she's not alone. And be there to nurture her when she needs love and attention. I can give her attention, Doctor, but I'm incapable of giving her love. Now why do I find that so hard to believe? Single tear. (laughs) There was nothing anyone could have done. We'd re-polarized one pathway, and another would collapse, and then another. His hands were moving faster than I could see, trying to stay ahead of each breakdown. He refused to give up. He was remarkable. It just... wasn't meant to be. Father, what is the significance of laughter? It is human physiological response to humor. Then judging from their laughter, the children at school found my remarks humorous, so without understanding humor, I have somehow mastered it. Lol. Yes, father. The children were not laughing with you. They were laughing at you. Explain. One is meant kindly. The other is not. Why would they wish to be unkind? Because you are different. Differences sometimes scare people. I have learned that some of them use humor to hide their fear. I do not wish to be different. Father says I would learn a great deal from working with someone as old as you. You're hired. (laughs) Just Whoopi being de-fucking-licious. Just the best. Okay. Okay, end scene. You ready? Lol. I am unable to correct the malfunction. I know, Father. We must say goodbye now. I feel... What do you feel, Lol? I love you, Father. I wish I could feel it with you. I will feel it for both of us. Thank you for my life. Flirting. Laughter. Painting. Family. Female.
human. Just <laughs> guts me. <laughs> Cameron. Yes, Daniel. <sighs> how many androids that taught us how to love would you give this episode? <laughs> You're going to hate me, but this is another five of mine. I just, I know it's not perfect by any means, but I, oh my God. Eventually, we're going to have to make this out of six, the way you just keep giving out fives like they mean nothing. These are the first two fives I've given out. We have been doing this <laughs> two and a half seasons. Yeah, fair enough. I would give it uh, 4.25. Two five? It was good. I liked the other one better, but this, this I mean, one has fair. an emotional resonance, but, you know. That's fair. I is what I is. You is what you is. You're really going to hate my other fives. <laughs> well, as long as one of them is inner light. Yeah. Have you been reading ahead again? I haven't been reading ahead. I just know what episodes are called. And when you go on IMDb, it brings up the highest rated episodes. And the inner light is the highest rated episode. It's, it's spectacular. Uh, this has been quite the ride, Dan, but we have loved it, hated it, quoted it and rated it so that just leaves one last thing for us to do and that's for me to wish you all to not just have a great week but to make it so and for dan to say keep on trekking i'm not as quick as you are no, I was, to be fair, I had that one in my back pocket because that was what I was deciding between the two. Ah, ah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, like you, I'm not as quick of wit or in bed. You're very quick of wit. I know you're <laughs> not quick in bed. People complain. They're like, he just lasts so long. It's true. It's like a Scorsese movie. <laughs> Three hours. Ugh, there's not enough lube in all of New York City. I mean, it's the greatest story ever told, but... Let's <laughs> for it. No, she just made out with Riker. And who doesn't want to make out with Riker? Toddlers. The elderly. Everyone. <laughs> blind and deaf people want to make out with Riker. You're goddamn right they do. Helen Keller's all over that beard. <laughs> Sorry, it's Star Trek. Helnor Kelrob. I don't know. No, it could still be Helen Keller. She's just holographic. Oh, yeah. Holodeck Helen Keller. <laughs> that's his, that's, that's Riker's preset. Run oh. Riker programmed 69. <laughs> Holodeck Helen Keller. <laughs> Jesus. Holodeck Helen Keller. She's made of light, but still can't see. <laughs> <laughs> or here. Mm -hmm. But she can write beautifully. Oh, good old Holodeck Helen Keller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
what have we become? <laughs> I don't know, but there's something there. I just I just want holodeck Helen Keller. <laughs> it's just it's Jordy's secret fantasy is to be the miracle worker. <laughs> <laughs> A Secret Weapon Production.